0: Good evening. I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award winning radio broadcast in our 18th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African American community.
2: Good evening. I'm Liz Mitchell. Once again, the primary elections take place on Tuesday, May 2nd, here in Monroe County. Early voting began on April 4th and ends on Monday, May 1st.
0: In Monroe County, Bloomington will elect a mayor, city clerk, and common city council members. The town of Ellettsville will elect a clerk, treasurer, and representatives to the town council from three wards.
2: This week, we are continuing our interviews with candidates seeking the Democratic Party's nomination for mayor of Bloomington. Again, they are Don Griffith, Jr., Susan Sandberg, and Carrie Thompson. Tonight, we are speaking with City Council Representative at large and former City Council President Susan Sandberg. Susan, welcome. Good to see you again.
1: Thank you so much to you both, Liz and Clarence. It's a pleasure to be with you.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. And um, before we began this evening, I was commenting to Susan. We were both commiserating over the cold Saturdays in April, you know, the market has started. Yeah. So we've had our third Saturday and we were trying to, we, we unanimously agree that this past Saturday was the best market day. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, for those who uh, tuned in and, and may not know who San, Sue Sandberg is, Susan, please introduce yourself and acquaint our listeners to who you are.
1: Well, thank you again. I have been on the city council for the past 16 years, and it certainly has been a pleasure to be a representative, one of nine on the council. And uh, it's um, an experience that I think qualifies me well to take the next step and run for mayor of Bloomington. Uh, The familiarity that I have uh, uh, had with the various departments. It's a complicated city to manage. And of course, Clarence, you know, you're, you're a part of uh, the parks and Recs department, right. And, That's uh, funny. and managing the farmer's market, which, uh, which has been underway. Um, It's one of our gems. I appreciate the farmer's market as well as so many things that the city of Bloomington has hosted over the years. I'm currently the chair of the Jack Hopkins Social Services Committee. We are underway right now. So as we are doing campaigning, we are also reviewing all the many applications for our Funding for Jack Hopkins—that's always uh, a pleasure, but also difficult. We have about nine hundred thousand in requests this year, and only three hundred thousand dollars to be able to allocate. So, it's going to be tough for the committee to try to uh, to do that fairly and uh, and appropriately. Um, so, working with low-income uh, members of our community has also been a focus of my council service. I was very proud to uh facilitate the Affordable Living Committee. And uh, that was two years worth of local research that culminated in a report called Working Hard Falling Behind, uh, that was uh, about the, the cost of living across the board, not just the cost of housing, but the cost of food, the cost of shelter, healthcare, childcare all the things that really put stresses and strains on folks who are of limited means. So that, that has been a real pride point of my service on the uh, city council.
0: And one follow-up, um, you mentioned your involvement in these different things. Um, would you say the, the, the sum total of all that has now prepared you to run for mayor or any other things you've been involved with that have, have prepared you for this moment?
1: Absolutely. Uh, 16 years of of direct local government experience, and that means 16 budget cycles. We've got our 17th coming up on April the 25th. The council will sit down with our current mayor and talk about the budget for the following year. So uh, that knowledge of the fiscal complications of the city, I think, is another qualifying point for my running for mayor uh, because it's all about budget, right? It's about the amount of dollars we have coming into the city, how we spend those dollars, how we prioritize what what uh, where the funding needs to go. These are um, year yearly long processes uh, that culminates in our budget recommendations for the following year. So that, along with the many relationships that I have built with not only city of Bloomington officials and uh, um, personnel, but also the many community partners that we work with. Uh, the obviously Indiana University needs to be a big partner with us. IU Health, our, our county colleagues. Um, those relationships, I think, are golden when you have been in city government for as many years as I have, clearly not as the mayor, But as the legislative branch of the city, we certainly know what we're doing. We know where things are and uh, know how to begin work uh, when that time comes.
2: I have a question. Uh, You talked about uh, the budget. Uh, City Council takes care of that. One of the candidates had said there has not been an audit in a while. Is this true? And do you plan to have an audit when you take office? I'm not sure that's entirely true,
1: because I certainly recall times, uh, particularly when I've been president of the council, I've been president four times. And I recall that there have been audits and we have been called in sometimes to hear the reports of those audits. Mm -hmm. So I'm not exactly sure what that candidate is referring to. When was the last
2: audit? Well,
1: again, that that is a good question. Yeah. Um, But I do know I do have trust in our city's controller, and that's Jeff Underwood, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he certainly is someone that, over the years that uh, I have had the privilege of working with him, I trust him and his department to uh, tell us the truth about you know what's coming in and what's not. But yeah, um, I I can't recall the last time that I was involved in seeing the the, the results of an audit. But, uh, I do know that they are important. And I think the public deserves to have an idea, a transparent idea of where the money's coming from, how it's being spent. The rainy day funds, obviously, uh, a lot of mayors want to be very conservative and making sure that we have those, 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 those cushions, if you will, for, uh, unexpected emergencies. So we do not want to have all the resources that come in get spent uh, without some, some backup reserves.
2: So is that something you would consider as doing an audit when you take office? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if, if for some reason they have stopped
1: happening, uh, then by all means, because I want to be very much held in regard by the public as being trustworthy, that our budgets have integrity, that we are um, allocated. those dollars in the way that they were being spent and uh, yeah having an audit from the state board of accounts uh, if they are the ones indeed that do that i think uh, that that should be a regular routine process
2: at one time there was talk with the city council about uh disabled access to sidewalks that they were redoing the sidewalks um i haven't heard any more about that conversation is it still going on uh where are we at this point With the uh, access accessibility for disabled getting around these sidewalks.
1: Well, sidewalks is going to be a priority for my administration for those very reasons. Uh, We have sidewalks in disrepair. And yeah. that in large part is due to the homeowners that uh, uh it's their responsibilities to uh make sure that the sidewalk in front of their property is in good repair. But that's kind of out of range for a lot of people who maybe can't afford to do that. So we've got some inconsistencies in our sidewalk networks. We There are places that need sidewalks that don't have them. And yes. so for the people that need to get around and obviously people who have accessibility yeah. and mobility problems, we're talking walkers, canes, wheelchairs, mothers with strollers. Um, our sidewalks need to be clear. Uh, and w- I was at a friend's house the other day on Wiley Street, and she happens to live on a street that has these um, these historic pieces of sidewalk. And Liz, yeah. you may be familiar with those in your role yeah. on the, historic the WPA. Yeah and they are beautiful sidewalks they're absolutely precious they they you know one of a kind you're not going to see them built that way ever again uh, but unfortunately, they are falling into disrepair and causing some issues in terms of uh the mobility uh problems that we we have on our sidewalks. And so uh, these are things that we need to to think about and find the funding to be able to make sure all of our sidewalks are in good repair. Um and of course, Michael Shermis, who works at the city, um did a presentation for us recently on the council, talking at the state of sidewalks and uh, how ADA compliance, ADA doesn't really have a lot of teeth with regard to that. So it is the city's responsibility, in my humble opinion, to make maybe better priority with our sidewalks, better funding. Um, We fund a lot of things for bicycles, and I think it's time to maybe look at the uh, other side and pedestrians obviously need safe passages too. You want to talk about scooters, we can talk about those too as another impedance on some of our sidewalks.
0: Yeah. well having having served on a, an, an innovation committee to look at that issue of sidewalk and accessibility on sidewalks, uh, you're right. There is the perception that, all right, who's responsible? Um, is, is it the city or is it me, or if there is um, overgrowth of foliage, who takes care of that, uh, me or the city? And then there were concerns on just how the citizens are notified um of of okay it's time to make this repair just the process of informing the public to make the repair is is important to address and um i believe too and you alluded to the the scooters um a day doesn't go by that i see scooters just discarded everywhere seemingly um, and I think the the owners of these companies that rent these scooters out, I think at one point there were there were conversations with them to hold them accountable for that. Do you know what happened to all that?
1: I, I don't think we have been tough enough. And I do know the current administration. I know Alex Crowley has certainly been a team member here working with IU and they have a plan on how to do a better job of educating. And mm-hmm. these are primarily I, I, I won't say they're all students. Who ride scooters. I'm sure there are many members of the community who like them and want to make sure they're available. Um, But I'm not sure that education is the key, and better helmets for safety are the key, and maybe having some limited amounts of time of the day when they can be in operation. The issue is behavior. It's Mm -hmm. leaving the scooters wherever. I don't know if it's because they run out of juice and then you can't move them. And so wherever they they run out of batteries, they just leave them in ADA compliance ramps or right smack dab in the middle of the sidewalk. They get knocked over by the wind. And this is a problem. And I do think we need to hold the scooter companies much more accountable than we do. And Paris has banned them. Hmm. There are cities across the United States that because they've been such a nuisance, Mm -hmm. they just flat out ban them. Now, I don't know if the. The administration is there yet, but I don't know how many more chances we're going to give these scooter companies before we really do hold them either fiscally accountable or we impound those things when they are found to be in violation uh, of, our, of our, you know, code for how to keep our sidewalks clear. Uh, but I would take, I think, a much tougher stand if I become mayor on these scooter companies and it's, uh, you know, alternative transportation, it's a good thing. Uh, but let's also be mindful that there are pedestrians that we have to consider as well, especially those who are older, who have uh, mobility problems. And it's time to be more thoughtful of every user of our streets and our sidewalks.
0: So I- I have a question
1: about those mm-hmm. scooters.
2: How many sc- scooter companies have dropped off scooters here? Or is there a limit? we got two companies, three, ten. How many?
1: Three. I believe it is three. The VO is the latest. And the first ones to drop their um, goods here, I believe, was Bird and then Lime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those three companies have uh, since they just literally fell on our streets, we didn't know they were coming. All of a sudden we woke up and there they were. And then the city of Bloomington had to deal with the, the you know, how do we how do we regulate that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How yeah. do we deal with it? And it's been a constant issue, I think, ever since. Now, during COVID, when there there weren't students on the campus, we didn't see as much of a problem. But of course, now that everything is in full swing, it's right back to where it was with the sidewalks being my major concern.
0: Yeah. Well, if you've just tuned in, we are having a conversation with Susan Sandberg, who is a Democratic mayoral candidate. Um, And again, the primary is Tuesday, May the 2nd. So if you've not, voted in advance. Um, you're, you're running out of time. The last day is May 1st. I have a I have a question. Under a Susan Sandberg administration, what is your vision for the future of Bloomington? Susan, I'm not sure if you heard or not. Or I, I,
1: I cut out for just a minute, and I apologize for okay, my I'll, internet. I'll,
0: no, no, no. I'll, I'll repeat the question. Um, under a Susan Sandberg administration, uh, what is your vision for the city of Bloomington?
1: I have four major platforms, and, of course, a lot of things will spin off from those four platforms. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of them, of course, is public safety. Uh, another one is affordability and economic development. Those things kind of go hand in hand. Uh, a third is much better collaborations with our county colleagues. They have caused Uh, Quite a bit of damage, I think, in the relationships between city and county and the things that we have in common that we need to work better together on. And last but certainly not least, we've been talking about it, essential city services. Mm -hmm. Now, as somebody who has been on this council for a long time, I do feel that that's what people pay taxes for us to do. And that streets, sidewalks, utilities, the quality of our water, Lake Monroe, the health of that uh snow removal leaf removal the kinds of services the potholes you know this is pothole season when our roads are not in the best of shape the- these are the basics. And I think in many respects, we get too caught up in some of the bright and shiny new projects and we forget about the basics. So my vision for Bloomington is one that we really pay attention to those things. We pay attention to our workforce and personnel within City Hall because they're the ones with the, the keep the wheels turning on the city of Bloomington. And we need to treat police, fire, our AFSME workers, our public works workers are people in animal care and control. These are very important people in my books. So a Sandberg administration will first and foremost take care of city personnel.
0: Um, there is some intermittent um, drop. However, what's happening, It's it may drop. But then when it um, sure. uh, resets, we hear everything you've said. It speeds up a tad, and then we're back mm-hmm. to normal. So we, we're not missing content, but just to make you aware of that. Uh, and and I think we can. It's not disrupted to the point where I think we need to uh, resume and start over. Yeah, <laughs> but but I, I think I think we're on course here. And <laughs> okay. and uh, before I turn this over just to over. Liz, I just had um, a question. You have a six point plan, and uh, number one was work toward the repeal of the annexation law. Two was stop oversized developments, protect our neighborhoods, and focus on affordable housing. And rather than go through all of these, I'll take two at a time, and Liz may pick up on a few more, but I'll come back and revisit. But working toward the repeal of the annexation law, your thoughts on that, and your and your um, your intentions to to address that, and then to the stopping the oversized developments and protecting our neighborhoods and focusing on affordable housing. So those two items, if you could address.
1: Absolutely. Well, annexation has been a painful process throughout the last seven years. Uh, when this administration first proposed it, it was quite a shock, came as a surprise, both of the county council and the city council. And so that kind of set the tone for some uh, unrest and some um, some opposition. And then, of course, the lawsuit hit and that put things on hold for four years. But when we were able to resume after we prevailed on the lawsuit, those same issues still still were in existence. So there is a real animosity in the county and amongst county constituents. They really don't want this. That's one thing. It's very expensive. All this litigation is which is ongoing and there's really no end in sight to it. So in the meantime everybody's just in limbo about it. I think it's going to cause some stress for the city of Bloomington in terms of our resources and our ability to provide services in these larger swaths that could very well be annexed because we have staffing shortages now. And you know, we well, police, fire, again, some of our ASME workers are 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 leaving. They're not happy with with working conditions and and how they're being uh, managed. And so uh, I have concerns about our ability to take on that big of a territory of new newly annexed uh, people and then the affordability in the county if we're in annexing them and causing their taxes to go up that could actually impact affordability of the housing that is a major concern of mine. So for those reasons, I would like to take a look at that maybe put a stop to the current annexation plan, and maybe at some point when it's more appropriate to do so, think about how we annex more slowly, more incrementally, and with more respect for our county colleagues before we just throw something at them that then uh, we're trying to make them accept. Uh, It has left a lot of ill will, and I think that's been very costly between the city and the county relationships. Uh, With respect to housing, affordability in housing is key. And I think we're going about things in the wrong way with these great big huge multi story, multi floor, high rise apartments. That's not the kind of housing that people are interested in. People are interested in, in smaller homes. Um, and they want their core neighborhoods protected from any of that kind of density. And though. that. was a big controversy, too, uh, in upzoning and removing single-family zoning in the the core neighborhoods that are already dense, already diversified, and have parking challenges and things of that nature. So uh, the big box developments, I'm not as much in favor of as doing rehabilitation of all older homes, reinvesting in a a truly affordable housing. Uh, And that's not what this new stuff is. When you build something brand spank and shiny new, that's going to be market rate. That is not going to be affordable. And so I want to protect and preserve some of the housing that really is more naturally affordable. And that's why I'm such a staunch supporter of of protecting uh, the core neighborhoods uh, and, and keeping them as affordable as we possibly can.
2: That's that's wonderful, I Andy, mean, and you just covered, that was one of my top questions, was affordable housing, and uh, I was even curious as what that amount was. So in your mind, what is the dollar sign for an affordable house? Affordable
1: is whatever your income allows you to. To afford, right? So you, we're talking about a range of things, but but when I'm talking about affordable housing at the very bottom of low incomes, and we have mm-hmm. some fairly low incomes in this community, yeah, uh, we're not talking three hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollars. You know, we are talking, you know, two hundred thousand, and 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 you know, that, that just isn't built anymore. Yeah. You know, it's really you're hard pressed to build any new home for that. Small amount of money. And so that's the crux of the problem. That's why I'm so protective of preserving our older homes that are already here. Right. That's probably the most affordable house, the one that's already built, yes. right? yeah. not the not the brand new ones, because you're not going to be able to get the newer things that are going up those are going to be market rents now the formula on affordability is if you are paying more than 30 percent of your income on your housing you are taxed you are overly burdened in your housing costs but that right now i've seen some statistics from the indiana business institute that most people now if you really do the math they're paying 40 percent of their incomes on on housing and so that's 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 too high you know yes. that's just too much for most people's salaries. Yeah,
2: yeah. Because see, at that point, then Susan, we're you're talking about the house itself. So then you got to add utilities to that, and the the cost of that keeps going up, of course, and um, yep, yep. trash pickup and all the services that you talk about. And then if you're gonna tell somebody like me that I got to repair my own sidewalk, well, that sidewalk is not going to get repaired especially no. one of those WPA sidewalks. So my question to you is, um, you know, yeah, there are yeah. three great candidates running. Why do you believe you'd make a better mayor than the other two? Well,
1: I will just say in one word, experience of the three candidates, I'm the only one who's been elected. This is my, you know, this is my fifth... Uh, time to run for, for a citywide election. And these 16 years of experience, I think that's more than both of them combined in terms of direct city service, local government experience. Now, I take nothing away from the private sector. I take nothing away from the nonprofit sector. But public service is a different kind of leadership that requires a different kind of mindset. It's about public service, right? We are servants, And um, as such, I think that's what sets me apart from the other two, Uh, even though one of my uh, opponents has been the deputy mayor, but that's, you know, that's an appointed position, not an elected position. And again, 16 years of going through the budgets, understanding what all the departments do, understanding what the laws allow you to do and what you can't do. I mean, we have jurisdictions that uh, we need to understand. And so I think that's what sets me apart, quite frankly.
2: Okay, thank you. And I'm gonna ask one other question and I'm gonna turn it over to my colleague. Let's talk about the uh, unsheltered or unhoused. Uh, That is a concern with a lot of people. Uh, My concern personally is how do we help them? We know there's a lot of mental health issues. Uh, Whatever we do to help them, is that a strain on tax dollars? Or are we getting uh, government help? What's going on there? Well, you you have hit
1: upon probably one of the number one reasons why we see the unhoused that are on our streets, that are in in you know uh, illegal encampments or literally on the streets that have nowhere to go. Mental illness, the opioid crisis, the drug issues uh, certainly lend to that. Um, we do have tremendous nonprofit assistance here in this community. It's one of the strengths of Bloomington. We have food, we have shelter, we have health care. Again, the Jack Hopkins committee that I'm on, a lot of what we're doing is funding these nonprofit organizations that are providing assistance for low-income residents of our community, including the unhoused. Um, but uh, it seems like the more we do, it's never enough. There are always going to be those that are on our streets that we have major concerns about for their own well-being as well as the well-being of the community um, who who are uh, really stressed and strained. And that's a good word, strained to the point that we're doing a lot. We have Mother Hubbard's Cupboard. We have Community Kitchen. We have Friends Place, Wheeler Mission. We have two Crawford Homes. We have Kinser Flats. There are opportunities for people in this community to avail themselves of the many services that we have, But it just never seems to be enough. I think we're maybe to a capacity point. And because we are so rich in nonprofits, we have a lot of other people from a lot of other communities coming to Bloomington, knowing... That they're going to get good services from the nonprofit sector, supported by the governmental sector. Uh, but mental health is key. I'd like to see a lot more effort in community mental health centers. I know Centerstone has a has a mobile van now that is starting to be a part of the network of helping individuals oh. that are really, you know, having crises on our streets and and uh, and really, really in in terrible need. They they're just not able for one reason or another to be self sustaining in the way that we would hope.
0: I'm sorry. Uh, rule one: always unmute. <laughs> 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 uh, on that last point uh uh Susan I heard a wonderful presentation by the Strie Crisis Diversion Center today and and the good work that they're doing uh 24/7 uh, when someone's in crisis they're there and they do work with a lot of unhoused uh, individuals that are brought there they they make the referrals out they they don't lodge individuals but uh they're there 24/7 and I think that's the mark of a progressive community um Now, going back to our housing woes um it, it's and and the um, poor the unhoused not finding proper mm-hmm. shelter, there is the notion and perception that there are some communities not just in Indiana but around the country that will use humans as pawns and we've seen that play out with immigrants immigrants coming into America where they're hoarded and shipped off to other communities uh usually to more liberal. Uh, progressive leaning communities, but we see, and it's been a perception for a number of years that the unhoused are sort of gathered together and then shipped to Bloomington and large part because of the services we provide and, and remedying the problem or challenge we have. I've not heard a lot about addressing those communities that have the shipped their, their challenge, to another community, what what would be your posture and your stance on that?
1: Well, I I actually do know that that is happening. I know under the Cruzan administration, I remember having a meeting myself and Chief DeKoff with the uh, someone from the Indiana Parole Probation Department, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a problem. It was well known that many people, when they're released. Uh, and they ask they're asked where do you want to go and they'll say Bloomington or they'll say Monroe County and then with very few questions asked they will just that's where those individuals will come to and I got some data recently where I think that's still happening in 21 there might have been 200 such people requested to come to Monroe County Mm -hmm. directly from DOC or their release or parole or whatever and then in 2022 maybe it was 300 and some so I do know that is happening now this is an issue which I wish I wish Other cities throughout Indiana would take as good care of their low income, struggling people as we do here. Because make no mistake, this is a pride point for me. I'm proud of Bloomington for being so generous, so welcoming, and so capable of caring for those who need care. And I really wouldn't want to change that. But the capacity issue does bother me because we get criticized all the time oh, you're not doing enough, you're not doing enough, you're not doing enough. I think we are doing our fair share. I just wish other communities could step up and the state would be better able to fund their cities and towns to be able to care for their individuals that need shelter, that need (laughs) supportive shelter, uh, like our two Crawford homes and our Kinzer Flats. Um, We're not doing wrong things. We are doing all the right things. I just wish more people could step up and bear bear that responsibility.
0: Many other communities and, and 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 to that point i, I do know that it's not all uh, department of justice or correctional facilities that are sending those that are released but there are a lot of people that uh, are on hard times that have hit rough patches that uh, may have drug or alcohol or whatever reason it is they're houseless they're unhoused yeah. They're and their remedy uh it just like other nations around the world is to move the problem out of sight and mm-hmm. and and that's one of the most demeaning things that we as Americans can do, not wow. only the immigrants, but then again, those who are just trying to make ends meet. Um, now, I want to also go back to something we talked about, um, uh, affordable housing. I know from my experiences that demand and supply drive the market
2: right.
0: and that amenities and an attractive lifestyle make Bloomington desirable Mm-hmm. and thereby uh it's it's a places a high value on our property, and with inventory as low as it is, unfortunately those market factors if you had an answer tonight, you'd be the most wealthiest woman in the world <laughs> but 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 I'm not asking for necessarily for an answer for that, but we have to work around it bloomington is it's a desirable place many it people is. come here, one of the attractors, of course, is the university. Uh, they come, they get a degree, and a lot of them say, hey, I really enjoyed my years pursuing this degree. I want to stay. And we've do. had We have, uh, well, we've had professionals <laughs> who receive professional training, and there's, there's this wide open horizon, but they say, well, you know, I could always set up a shop here. So we have this yeah. glut of, of highly educated, highly talented people, and we're not saying push them out the door. But but it's, it's maybe if it is a problem, it's a healthy problem to have. But what are your proposals to bolster tourism, technology, investments, innovation, startups, um, to attract more talent? And, and we'll just have to spread out and build and appeal to developers to keep it low. I mean, there have to be incentives to, to get them to, to keep the property low. What right. would you do?
1: Well, I, I just came from a luncheon with the Builders Association today, and um, they certainly asked that same question, too. They says, we need houses. We need homes. Why are we building all these great big high-rise multi-story apartments when really that is not what people, when you say we have a housing shortage, you you know, we these professionals that we want to attract, they don't necessarily want to live in apartments anymore, like maybe the student-oriented things. They want a home. or or at the very least townhomes or, you know, more modest scale uh, condos even. And so when I was talking to the builders today, they were asking the same questions. And unfortunately, in Bloomington, we're being told we're running out of space. There's not land for us to build that new housing stock that isn't so much in demand. So we are going to have to look to our county colleagues. How can we help them bring in some affordable housing on some of the properties that they have that is buildable, developable? Or the kind of housing that you're talking about, because we do want people to stay in Bloomington to keep that culture, that rich culture of our of our academics and our music culture and, uh, you know, our leisure activities and our, our, our care for the environment. Um, we want to have uh, a welcoming space <laughs> to keep all those professionals here in Bloomington. That's, that's what keeps the economy dr- driving forward and allows us to have the tax base that we have to do all kinds of good things. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a balancing act. You know, we have mm-hmm. to incentivize the right things. And de-incentivize the things that we really don't want to see built out and take up space when what we need are homes, housing, and that's protection of our core neighborhoods and the housing that's already here. We don't want to see any of that get destroyed uh, while we're trying to, you know, uh, make sure we're accommodating the needs of everybody with, with, with respect to housing. Affordability is a big piece of that, but just housing in general, there are definitely lacks. Well, yeah.
0: and well, and in repairing the breach of uh, camaraderie between the, the, the city and the county, right? Um, a lot we could benefit from from a healthy relationship, working relationship. One uh, instance comes up that we're seeing play out right now, and that is the building of a new jail. Absolutely. And, and I, I've been reading uh, articles as far as the headaches that that they're going through just to agree on one. The need to build a jail. Two, who will build the jail?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Three, until we get it done, can we make our current jail safe?
1: Oh, absolutely. I just attended a uh, um it was a constituent meeting that Cheryl Munson, Trent Deckard, and Jeff McKim had with Sheriff Marte and his new jail deputies. Wonderful presentation because he's doing everything in his power to get that jail up to a standard and it's not going to get up to a standard that it needs. It's a dangerous place in an old space that absolutely is no it's 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 beyond its usefulness. So I don't need to be convinced that we need a new jail. I'm sure we do. Mm-hmm. So but of course maybe not everybody's on that same page but I certainly am. Now, this is the this is Monroe County's responsibility, right? It is the Monroe County Correctional Center. However, the city of Bloomington has an obligation to work with them and help them find an appropriate spot. Now, I have an idea where I would like to see the jail go, and that's in the Hopewell property. You know, the old hospital site that's been earmarked and designated, and there are a lot of plans already on the table for building housing there. We need housing too, but that location would be pretty much ideal in my mind. It's close enough to the current justice center that it would not cause issues for probation and the court systems and all that. And it would be a location that I think might be ideal to take a look at and see if we could, you know, compromise our standards here and work with the county in a more assertive way to identify where they can put that jail so that they can get moving on that. Now, a new jail needs to be a humane place that's about rehabilitation, not punishment. That new jail needs to have better means for family visitation, for recreational opportunities, for educational, and maybe even mental health treatment opportunities. So a new jail needs to be a state-of-the-art, progressive place that we need to get started on and i think mm-hmm. city county cooperation would go a long way to mm-hmm. expediting that
0: one, one final follow-up and liz I'll, I'll turn over to you um is there a jail in existence that attempts to do those
1: things there may be i i know the county commissioners maybe some of the county council people have done site visits throughout the state to see what kind of model they may want to look at, but once again, Bloomington's special. We're unique. We don't want a jail that looks like a, uh, you know, a, a, a terrible prison where there is no opportunity for rehabilitation. We want to stop the recidivism trail. Mm-hmm. Right? right. If pe- people have paid their debt to society, we want them to come out. We want them to be able to reenter into their communities and not be back into the jail. Right. Uh, so right. rehabilitation. Programming, and I've done volunteer work through new Leaf new life i've actually gone into the Monroe County Jail to teach classes and and there were bingo games and all kinds of humanizing activities within the jail i I stopped mm-hmm. doing that back in twenty fourteen, but I've spent about six years going into that jail doing kind of some really good. Um, community building uh, programming within the jail to kind of help those individuals with their reentry back into the community. Uh, I did a support group in the uh, uh, recovery engagement center for the gentlemen that were coming out of the addicts and recovery block, and that is tremendous work that we do here in Bloomington uh, to be caring and uh, make sure that we are working with those who have been convicted and and, and need second chances.
2: Mm-hmm. okay well thank you um it, along those lines uh, we kind of barely touch base with this police retention pay um though and then how do you suggest we do that when that is a job that nobody wants um and i don't know about minority uh how many minority officers they are uh and even trying to um, attract minorities to come to Bloomington. Right. Let me just start
1: with the minority hires, because here's the problem that we're having in Bloomington. We have a great police department. We've got a good police chief. He makes sure the training is there, the experience is there, the maturity is there, uh, so that we don't have the same kind of problems that you read about in other communities with police brutality. That will not be tolerated here in Bloomington, certainly not under my administration. And it hasn't been. We've had really good police That said, if we don't keep up with competitive pay, they're going to get siphoned off by other communities that are willing to pay police officers more. And there are police shortages all over. So it's a competitive market to get and keep, recruit and retain good officers. Now, with minority hires in particular, we really make an attempt to do that. We want to have all kinds of police officers to look like this community and and fit in and be a part of the values that we hold here but they are very much in demand from other places. So they get picked off even more quickly than than our other officers. And so no sooner do we hire them and get them up and operating and get them trained, other communities want to take, to lure them away. So this is where our experience is going. We're losing good officers to other communities. And that uh, is a problem because again, it takes a while to get well-trained and well-disciplined as an officer to know how to deescalate things and not amp things up when you're in a tense conflictual you know arrest situation and so um i've been very conscientious about the needs of the bloomington police department and i have been a strong advocate for them to keep them intact and do the best job we can in recruiting and retaining and my administration will that will be a priority, as well as we're having the same problems now with fire. And even some of our AFSME workers are, are people working in public works and, and utilities. We're losing good, experienced people to other communities. And that's money walking out our door. Yeah. And that's good, experienced people, including diversity police officers and diversity firefighters being um, taken away from us by other communities who also are looking to improve their, their, um, their, you know, diversity of, of their
2: workforce. So the money's being spent, we're Bloomington is spending the money in training and, and doing that first year to that money spent on that officer and then they're gone. Pretty much. And even our more
1: experienced officers are kind of getting fed up. And, and of course uh, that breaks my heart too, to see really good officers who've been on the job, have good integrity, no, no incidents of, of any inappropriate behavior. And then they're gone because those older officers help us train the younger ones when we do have new hires and we need to have them, you know, come into uh, to be a, a good police department. And when I say good, mm-hmm. I mean, one that is professional, respectful, respectful, uh, Uh, knows what their job is and knows what their job isn't. May I also say, too, that we have embedded social workers and community resource officers into our police department. We were well ahead of the curve of that with police reforming The Chief Decoff accepted that uh, Obama's 21st century community policing standards long before the national outcry for, hey, we can no longer tolerate police brutality uh, and the horrific deaths at the hands of of police officers. We don't tolerate that here, nor would I
2: as mayor. All right. All right. Now, here's here's something else. I'm dying to ask you. Let's say you're elected. Tell us what you're going to do in that first 90 days. What does that look like? Well, the first
1: 90 days are not going to be as challenging for me as they might be for some of my opponents uh, in that I always work at City Hall. And uh, obviously, you're going to have a lot of meetings. And even before you get to uh, that oath of office, you're going to be in transition. And once you realize you have been elected, you're going to have to start thinking about things even before you take that oath and start your work. But planning with your department heads, you have to start thinking about the fiscal matters that you want to get into uh, good, good condition before you start the budget talks. And then last but not least, you want to start thinking about emergency preparedness. I think about emergencies, and I don't know if that's because I'm a mother, uh, but I'm thinking about worst case scenarios. I as mayor, what is the worst, most terrible thing that could happen on my watch? And are we prepared for it? And that could be a flood situation. That could be a tornado situation. That could be an earthquake. That could be a, a, a gas explosion. That could be a chemical spill. So I think about public safety probably more than most people do so that'll be kind of my focus on day one how do we make
2: sure the city of Bloomington is prepared for all kinds of things okay I got one more question and then I'll turn it over to um, Clarence what is going on with the convention center I was told to ask you that and I want to know too oh that, that we need to get moving on that I voted along
1: with the county council and the county commissioners on the whole governing structure on who's going to manage this expansion. I don't see a problem with the CIB where, you know, the city makes appointments, the county makes appointments, and then those appointees pick a seventh member to manage the growth and the expansion of the convention center. What are we waiting for? Uh, There was a real kind of a standoff between the 501c3 model and the CIB model. Let's just get on with it. Let's go with the CIB. And the money is there. The food and beverage tax. And I have to tell you, if we don't start work on this, the Indiana General Assembly is going to come down and take away our toys. And so it's the stakes are pretty high for us to stop the dithering and get on with it. And so um, I'm I'm definitely on board with the county with this. Uh, There's need for the city to, to, to hold that up any further.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I'm pretty sure that the citizens of Bloomington are pretty tired of it. You've done that food tax and stuff, you got our money sitting there. That's, yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we need to do something. Now,
1: in defense of why there was a lag, there was this little thing called COVID. And that, of course, put a stop and paralyzed, you know, many of us. So during that time, some of that, that money was earmarked for emergency relief for the downtown restaurants where the food and beverage tax dollars are coming from and some oh. of the downtown businesses that were imperiled by the covid shutdown. Now, I was in full support of that recover okay. forward money. That was a good use of that. But now the yeah. covid seems to be for the most part in the rearview mirror. We now need to move on what ended for, which was to expand the convention center. Okay. Thank
2: you.
0: If you've just tuned in and bring it on, we're having uh, the final of our three Democratic mayoral candidate conversations. And this one, of course, is with Susan Sandberg. Uh, we're just um, uh, near the end of this conversation. And there were three more areas that I want to touch on. Uh, the first being... Um, what initiatives do you plan within either the 90 days, and of course, she'll solve all the city's problems in 90 days, and, and that's <laughs> all agree. We we all know that. But um, what will you do to bolster that collaborative partnership, not so much with county uh, and the city, but with IU and Ivy Tech and other ind- industries such as Catalan and others that may wish to develop here? What what, what do you plan to do?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because it's not going to be anything new for me. These are just a continuation of things I've already done as a sitting council, council person. I love to partner with the Chamber of Commerce. Our small business community is kind of the heart and soul of many of our employment opportunities. We need to support them. And I think the best way to do that is to be the best mayor I can be with respect to delivering essential city services. That's my job. Make sure our streets, sidewalks. We've got a good police department, our fire department spot on, um, all the services that everybody expects, that's my job to make sure that we're, uh, uh, the business community and our economic development. uh, Structures. So I will continue to partner with the chamber with the Bloomington Economic Development Corporation. I am a recent retiree of Indiana University, so I know how important it is for us to have good working relationships. We are a small city with a great big beautiful university right in our heart. And for us to not work more collaborative, you know, collaboratively together is just inexcusable. I have good working relationships with people, and I just can't wait to continue on with that in this new role as mayor. Ivy Tech is an important player too, and with oh, the, yeah. the bus expansion between connecting iU with Ivy Tech is going to be critical for us to continue the funding of Bloomington Transit so we have better transportation issues connecting all these important players and employee uh, employer um, uh, uh, stations um catalan is important we did invest a taxman abatement in there uh in them we we hope that they continue to be successful and continue to employ more people um we have a great working relationship at least i want to have a, a a a really good working relationship with cook one of our major employees along with iu iu health mccsc baxter uh, cook, the biomed sector is very important. Our new trades district, now that we have John Fernandez and Pat East working together, building that tech sector out. And last but not least, and this is very important to me, arts. Bloomington Strength has so many good artists. And we that is uh, a, an economic boost as well. We don't always think about that. But I will definitely prioritize the arts in my administration because... Uh, you know, Constellation and the Buskirk Chumley Theater. We've got a comedy club. We've got tremendous musical festivals, arts festivals, visual arts, sculpture. Um, We need to focus on that as maybe another priority for economic development because um, artists uh, need housing as well. And they need they need to have opportunities for them Mm -hmm. to uh, to remain here in Bloomington.
0: And the second of uh, leading up to my final third question, we may have time for another one from Liz is um, at the time of this recording, this pre-record, the world's greatest college weekend is upon us. (laughs) And uh, we talk about relationships with town and gown. Um, There's also a huge expenditure of resources to manage Weekend, which can start Wednesday through Sunday, when I see a long line around uh, the the justice center.
1: Oh yes, (laughs) for
0: for diversion purposes. But anyway, I I don't want to digress. Under your administration, uh, and enhancing that partnership, and that these type of resources are expended while trying to provide uh, uh, some outlet of 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 entertainment for our Mm -hmm. student body here from IU. Uh, What would you emphasize going forward in that partnership?
1: Well, in that partnership, I think we have some synergies. certainly. Um, For me, I've already mentioned how important public safety is to me. And that also extends to the public safety of our students. You know, Mm -hmm. when parents send their precious students to IU, Mm -hmm. they expect that they're going to be safe. Right. And and that's both of our responsibilities as I use responsibility and that's the city of Bloomington to make sure that when we have the world's greatest college weekend, and this is a rite of passage, there's nothing we're going to do to be able to change the fact that this is a time for students to come and kick up their heels and have a good time. And so they should, but I don't want anyone to die, you know, with, with, um, you know, too much of too much. And you know what I'm talking about. Uh, making a foolish choice and uh, ending up having that weekend be a tragedy so we do have to have our police on point we have to have our emergency responders on point we have to make sure that while people are having fun everybody in the community is staying safe and that's a tough job and so it's going to require a little cooperation between Mm -hmm. iu and the city to make sure that any weekend like that whether it's a sports weekend or anything else that we are keeping people's safety number one in mind, mm-hmm. um, so that that's that's going to be big with me in any partnership that in collaboration that uh, that I engage in. But looking forward to it um, because again, I, I do quite a bit of it now in my role on, on the city council, working with the business community, working with the arts community, working with our nonprofit social service community. There are so many moving parts and so many incredibly gifted and talented people who live here who who, when we all come together, communicate better with each other, I think excellent things can happen. And so I think I'm very optimistic that uh, the next four years can be positive and progressive.
0: My final, final question. And I think we have enough time, Liz, for a a final question from you. Okay. Um, You have the potential to be the third woman mayor of the city of Bloomington following Mary Alice Dunlap, Tomalia Allison. Or we could have the first African-American male mayor of the city of Bloomington. What are your thoughts on this uh, huge, huge milestone moment in the city of Bloomington?
1: Well, absolutely. Um, History is always in the making with every new election. And what an exciting privilege that would be for me as a woman, and as a feminist, I mean, my early days of activism were in the women's liberation movement back in the late 60s, early 70s, when we were all struggling with trying to make our way and, and have reproductive rights and um, my advocacy for people's rights. Women's rights was kind of my first foray into political activism, but increasing the rights for everyone has been a real milestone, Uh, whether we're talking about uh, African Americans, we're talking about LGBTQ+, we're talking about any marginalized people in our community. It's always good when those rights are moving forward in a progressive direction, right? We want to increase people's Rights. We don't want to take people's rights away. So all I can say is what a privilege it would be for me to be the third woman mayor of Bloomington. That would be an honor and a privilege and an achievement that I would feel uh, extremely proud about. And um, having our first black mayor uh, would also be a milestone and a historic point. And so this is entirely up to the good voters, the good citizens of Bloomington who will come out on May 2nd to determine who they think will be the uh, best person to lead the city forward for the next for at least the next four years. And if it's me, all I can say is what an honor. And, And it would be the honor of my political life to have this opportunity.
0: And Liz, I think uh, with less than probably 40 seconds left, I think oh, Susan, Susan <laughs> has not only answered any additional question, but she's made her final statement. Um, okay. Uh, all I can say is I, I want to thank you for uh, forging the time. I know all the candidates, all the candidates have been busy on the campaign trail uh trying to yeah. uh, present their best foot forward and, and why they should possibly be considered to hold the reins of the top position in the city of Bloomington. And with that, uh, our thanks to Democratic mayoral candidate Susan Sandberg for joining us this evening to discuss her candidacy and the upcoming primaries that once again are held on Tuesday, May 2nd. For more information on candidate Sue Sandberg, visit her website at susansandberg.com or sandbergformayor.com. And I'll make sure I got that right.
1: Well, actually, it's Susan hyphen Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> All that. Right. Thank you. Pleasure bring to be here.
2: <laughs> thank bring you. For, Go ahead, Susan. Thank you for having me. This has been a pleasure. Oh, and thank you. Bring it on has an open submission policy. So if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bring it on at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org.
0: Bring It On's executive producer is yours truly, Clarence Spoon. Our assistant producer is Liz Mitchell. Show consultant and WFHB News Department director is Kate Young. Program engineer is Chantal LaFontaine. Original theme music was created by Jamil FM with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Clarence Boone.
2: And I'm Liz Mitchell. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB.